All right, friends, it's hoop ball promo time. This is big because this is our 2020-2021 NBA season product rollout, and I am so excited to tell you about what we've got. We almost never push our hoop ball products, but this is the window of the year where we need to power that engine. So let me tell you what's out. We've got our draft guide, our flagship's shining beacon to the most comprehensive draft guide in fantasy. We cover all over 400 players this season with future access pass to our Brewski 150. Now, if you don't know what the Brewski 150 is, I'm here to give you the need-to-know info. This is the fantasy draft list that has beaten every other list for 10 straight years and new this year for hootball we're unveiling our monthly membership plans featuring our fantasy pass draft guide brewski 150 our new dfs pass premium in-season tools as well as our wager pass for sports bettors everything you need we've got you covered 365 around the clock hoop ball tools is your one-stop shop for your nba treasure trove of fantasy need to know information all that you need and more check us out head to hoop-ball.com or follow at hoopball fantasy on twitter now check it out give us a follow get your tools and win your league all right friends it's hoop ball promo time this is big because this is our 2020-2021 NBA season product rollout, and I am so excited to tell you about what we've got. We almost never push our hoop ball products, but this is the window of the year where we need to power that engine. So let me tell you what's out. We've got our draft guide, our flagship's shining beacon to the most comprehensive draft guide in fantasy. We cover all over 400 players this season with future access pass to our Brewski 150. Now, if you don't know what the Brewski 150 is, I'm here to give you the need-to-know info. This is the fantasy draft list that has beaten every other list for 10 straight years and new this year for hootball we're unveiling our monthly membership plans featuring our fantasy pass draft guide brewski 150 our new dfs pass premium in-season tools as well as our wager pass for sports bettors everything you need we've got you covered 365 around the clock hoop ball tools is your one-stop shop for your nba treasure trove of fantasy need to know information all that you need and more check us out head to hoop-ball.com or follow at hoopball fantasy on twitter now check it out give us a follow get your tools and win your league the following is a hoop ball presentation Welcome to another edition of the break of the box score breakdown here at Hoopball. It's your Thursday night slate. I'm Alan Srokey and joined by a new guest, uh, which who will be sticking with us every Thursday for the rest of the season here. Uh, David Bracey. How's it going, man? Hey, Alan. Good to be here. Um, David is you know, we David is swapping out for JC. We are going to be two of us are going to tackle these going forward from here. Um, David, uh, this is, is this your first time on a hoop ball podcast? Uh, I jumped on the, uh, third or the Tuesday show actually, but yeah, this is only my second show. So very oh, excited. Great. All right. Well, so, you know, I guess you've given, gotten some introductions out there. Um, it's good to, you know, I'm glad that we, we got you on board and Hey man, let's, let's talk some fantasy hoops. Yeah, let's get it. 
before we dive into uh, what happened tonight, I feel like we would be remiss not to mention the huge news that broke during the games tonight. Carmelo Anthony has finally found his way back onto an NBA team. He has signed a deal with the Portland Trailblazers, a team who is in dire need of, uh, pl- of, a, of a player capable of holding down some power forward minutes. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty big deal uh, from like a narrative perspective. Uh, but from a fantasy perspective, you know, I don't know. David, do you have any sort of thoughts on like Carmelo as a fantasy player? I personally, am, I'm not going to be picking him up anywhere. Yeah, personally, I'm going to have to pass on this situation. Um, I would love to see it turn into something. It would be awesome if this turned into one of those, you know, storylines of the season, if you will. Uh, and I definitely think the opportunity is there for Melo, given the the whole situation of calamity with Portland's, um, you know, small forward, power forward situation. But I just, I don't view him as a really viable, viable candidate. Maybe if you're in an incredibly deep league and you're really hurting for the points and you think maybe this guy could show up and average 15 or 20, go for it. But outside of the points, I just don't see a whole lot of production from him at this stage. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. I mean, I think most people are sort of seeing that the same way. I mean, he's obviously got some incredible name recognition, and he's definitely going to be picked up in some spots as a result of that. Uh, but as we've seen with the last couple of years, if he's not scoring, he's not giving you much else. Um, he just he, the the one benefit he does have is that this Portland team has got nothing really outside of Hassan Whiteside in terms of depth at that. That, at the, in that, that front court. So the opportunity is going to be there, but personally, if you yeah, deep, like it's a deep league target and I'd wait and see before I, I, I jump on him, but it's awesome news. I mean, it's about time. I, I think that you know, it was really tough to see him go out the way it was looking there, just sort of floating around on the waiver wire, having that 10, that 10 game stint in Houston be the last of his career. Just didn't feel right. Yeah, I agree, and I was really just kind of waiting for the uh, the Woj bomb saying Melo's going to make his big three appearance, but it looks like he's going to be coming back to the league, so I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, uh, not not today. Sometime, <laughs> yeah. sometime in the future, maybe, but not today. It's a long season, right? It's a long season. So, yeah, that's your Carmelo Anthony segment of the show. We're going to get right to the box score breakdown in a second. But first, I'd like to give a shout out to Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee. This podcast, like all of our shows at HoopBall, is brought to you by Hawaiian Isles. Uh, check them out at their website, HawaiianIsles.com. You can also take a look on Amazon for them, searching Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee. And you can also follow them at Twitter on Twitter at hi. Kona Coffee. That is H-I-K-O-N-A-C-O-F-F-E-E. Hawaiian Isles, grab yourself a cup today. All right. Now, let's dive right into the first game of the day. We have the Miami Heat playing in Cleveland with a particularly early start time in this one. It was 6 p.m., I think, to account for that uh, Cleveland Browns Thursday night game. Uh, so it was a bit early. These guys, you know, got the, the night started and Miami did what you would expect them to do. They won 108 to 97 A balanced attack from the starting lineup in this one with Kendrick Nunn leading the scoring charge. They're all taking turns in Miami with that. He had 23 points, eight assists, five rebounds on 10 of 16 shooting from the floor, three, three pointers as well. And a couple of turnovers, uh, 
he was, uh, you know, the Miami Heat uh, have been very hard to peg outside of Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo as to who's going to see the most run on a given night. And, you know, Kendrick had it going early in this one, and he just kept his foot on the gas. Uh, David, who, who else uh, on this team do you think, uh, you know, it, it really sort of stood out to you tonight? Uh, definitely Kendrick Nunn. Like you said, I mean, from, from the real get-go, he was – He's out there. He was pushing the pace. He was being aggressive, looking to score, looking to get guys open. And I'm really loving what he's doing in his rookie season. But Bam Adebayo, I mean, if that guy could just get his free throw shooting in check, I think that we would really be going somewhere because he is he continues to shine. I mean, 16 points tonight, 15 rebounds, five assists, only one turnover, got a block out of him, no steals, but still really, really excellent line. And I'm really, really impressed with Bam. Yeah, me too. Uh, I, I was really trying to angle to get him in a few spots, and I was, wasn't able to get him anywhere. He was really one of those guys that we identified at Hoop Ball here in the beginning of the offseason as, you know, this is a guy to look out for if he's heading for a starting role. You know, then Whiteside gets dealt, and the rest is history. He went very early, but he's been providing decent returns so far, that free throw percentage being his real drawback, like you said. Uh, tonight, he didn't hurt you too bad there. He only missed one out of three attempts, and... Uh, you know he's not going to be he's not going to have the best shooting but you do expect him to get up uh, a little bit from where he's at currently um elsewhere you know jimmy butler did jimmy butler things he had five defensive stats which is great only 14 points but he didn't really need to score with all the output he got around the team and six assists as well i mean we're seeing a lot more of playmaking jimmy in miami which is a role that suits him pretty well uh, especially with a guy like kendrick nunn who Kendrick Nunn and Tyler Harrow, frankly, two rookies who can really score at will. They, you know, you, you don't. This team is not so, uh, one that needs a traditional point guard uh, in order to get plays going. I mean, Bam Adebayo is another guy who he he can play make in his own right. So you know, you'll, you're definitely uh, liking those assist numbers out of Jimmy. And the other thing with this team is, you know the kind of rotating cast at power forward, you know, it's a different guy going off every night at that position. Tonight was Myers Leonard. He had the hot hand and he finished with 12 points, seven rebounds and three assists to go with a block and two threes in 28 minutes played. It helps that James Johnson and Derek Jones uh, Jr. Both sat out this one. So really it was just Leonard and Olenek who held down that position and, I mean, it's just the same story with Miami this year that it was last year in that regard, is that there's too many mouths to feed at the forward spots, and it's really hard to choose which of those guys is going to go off on a given night. Uh, what's your take on the power forward situation in Miami? Yeah, it is definitely pretty clustered. Um, I have a feeling it's going to be a pretty volatile situation all season long, given James Johnson's inability to stay in the lineup. I'm not really mm-hmm. sure what they're trying to do with Derek Jones Jr. Um, honestly, I was shocked to see that they have Udonis Haslam on the roster. I don't really know what, <laughs> what the play is with that. Um, but, yeah, definitely. I, I think that the whole situation with Myers Leonard and Kelly Olenek is just kind of going to be a timeshare that they, they kind of battle back and forth depending on matchups throughout the season. Yeah, it's a tough one. So, frankly, I mean – I don't think if Myers Leonard's floating around the wire, uh, I can't really recommend him as a as a pickup because of this performance. Just given that um, he definitely has intriguing upside, he he he's got a very interesting fantasy game. But until like until at least two of these power forwards are like 
removed from the equation for good, none of them are worth owning or worth relying on in most settings, in my opinion. Uh, so now let's move on to the Cleveland side of things. Uh, David, you want to you take this one? Yeah, Cleveland uh, came out tonight and wasn't able to get the win at home, but put up a reasonable fight. Uh, Tristan Thompson was pretty absent tonight. Only two points tonight, only three field goal attempts, one of three from the field, uh, only three rebounds, only one steal and one block. Maybe this is a sign of him starting to come back down to earth, but this also could be pretty matchup-based. I know Bam Adebayo was giving them a lot of trouble down there, so that could definitely play a part in it. Um, Colin Sexton kind of came back down to earth after his recent string of pretty hot performances. 27 minutes for 15 points on 7-16 shooting. No threes, four rebounds, three assists. No turnovers, surprisingly, in a steal. So reasonable line from Sexton tonight. What's your thoughts on the Sexton-Darius Garland backcourt situation? Ugh. I mean, it's not my, not my favorite. It's it's <laughs> to put to put it uh, to put it simply. Uh, I mean, I actually wound up with Sexton at the beginning of the year uh, in one of my spots. I was hoping that you know, because towards the end of the last season, he started putting some really he started to show some more consistency with his shot, but also a little bit of like you know some of the other stuff. He was getting like enough rebounds and assists and like a very tiny amount of defensive stats to sort of make himself standard league uh, ish. But uh, so I, I was kind of hoping maybe he'd expand upon that and take a leap. But he really kind of looks like the same fantasy player this year that he was last year. And that kind of guy is he'll get you points consistently every night. But everything else is not. I mean, you know, you're, you're never going to get a guaranteed uh, high assist total out of him. If you do, it's probably more likely to be a one off sort of deal. And he's just not the most attractive guy. If he's a, if you're in a points league, then by all means, he, he's probably he's definitely rosterable. But in category leagues, he's tough. And for Darius Garland, I mean, you know, he's a rookie point guard that who always struggle to start, you know, their careers from a fantasy perspective. They're very hard to count on. And though I can appreciate what um, Coach Beeline is doing with the Cavs this year, I think that they're in a pretty they're going in a, the right direction. I'm not really seeing the game plan for Garland translate into fantasy value yet. He's kind of a guy that I'm mostly interested in if I'm in a dynasty league because, you know, he there's a lot of upside to, to take a look at there. But um, he, he's he's a tough guy to own in pretty much all settings. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And the only other player from that line, uh, I would say Kevin Love continued to do Kevin Love things this season. Um, hopefully he can continue to do this until he gets injured, which we all know inevitably will happen. Um, but strong line tonight, 21 points, 6 of 16 from the field, three threes, 6 of 6 from the line, 10 rebounds, one assist, four turnovers, but four steals and a block. So you love the defensive stats from Kevin Love. Anytime you can bring those, it's just an added bonus. Yeah, absolutely. Um, fantastic guy to own so far to start the year. He's crushing his ADP at the moment. But like you said, that injury stuff is going to kind of loom over him for pretty much any time you're going to draft him. He, he's not proven to be the most durable. And after last year, you know, you definitely got to be a little concerned, but by all means, he's looked very healthy and he's looked very locked in this season. So if you have him, he's a guy I think that is worth holding on to. Absolutely. Yeah. 
So that about does it from the Cavs side of things. Oh, but uh, Larry Nance, by the way, had 14 points, eight rebounds, and three steals. Uh, I'm not a huge Larry Nance guy. I don't know if you are, um, but he does have some upside. Yeah, I think he definitely has upside. I have him in a points league. I'm more of a fan of him in a points setting, but mm-hmm. definitely he can kind of chip in some peripheral stats. Yeah. Um, Gussie, I mean, I, I think that you know his line tonight was probably also a product of Tristan Thompson sort of not being there. He's having a really off game. Uh, as long as only – it seems like only two of Love, Thompson, and Nance Jr. are going to be able to get things going on a night-to-night, so – until one of them fade, until I guess really, if Thompson is the one who's going to need to fade for Nance to be relevant, uh, in my mind, in like a 12-team setting, he's definitely worth owning in deep leagues. But I, I'm not a biggest truster in him. So that is the wrap on that game. Let's move on to New York, where we had the uh, semi, uh, relatively anticipated return of Chris Taps Porzingis to Madison Square Garden. The Mavericks and the Knicks in this one. The Knicks barely eked this one out, winning 106 to 103. Uh, start with the Dallas side of things here, where Chris Taps Porzingis lead, led the way. Oh no, sorry, Luka Doncic led the way in scoring with a 33-point triple double, 10 rebounds, 11 assists, three steals, one block, three three-pointers. Uh, 10 out of 13 free throw shooting. He has been just lights out Incredible. all season. Yeah, I, I'm pretty, you know, I, I, I was not, I whiffed on him. I did not take him in many drafts, but he's clearly jumped up a level in terms of his efficiency and really in terms of just his just flat out production. I mean, the, the free throws were a real issue for him last year and he's hitting over 80%, I believe right now this performance tonight is going to add to that total. Uh, what, what, what do you, what do you see Luka Doncic's long-term, or I guess rest of season outlook? Do you think that he's at a high point right now, or do you think this is the real deal? Like he's going to be this all year. I, I think the triple doubles that, that may come down um, as far as that, that level of production, but it's kind of across the board high-level, night-in, night-out production, I think is very, very real. Um, I think they're going to need him to kind of push the pace and push the envelope every single night. They're going to need his usage because outside of him and KP, I really don't see a whole lot of creation on this Mavericks team. Um, And I also wonder how often KP will truly be available throughout the rest of the season, uh, given how many back-to-backs that they may have coming up. So I definitely think Doncic is really, really looking strong. I I also whiffed on him. and I'm, I'm really regretting it right now, but he is looking, he's looking phenomenal. He's been in Fuego. <laughs> yeah. And it, that, yeah, I, I, I'm also of the same opinion that, you know, he's kind of morphed overnight into the guy that everyone thought he could be, which is a borderline MVP candidate. And, you know, if the Mavericks can get themselves into contention, that's maybe something that's pretty realistic for him this season. Um, it's you know, too hard, hard to say now, but uh, he's been playing at a top level pace. And it, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think, I think this is for real. Um, let's see on the, so Chris Taps Porzingis is the other heavy lifter in this game. He had a 20 point double, double to with 11 rebounds, three block shots, uh, a steal and a three pointer on not so efficient shooting only seven of 17 from the floor. Uh, you know, he, he's fine as long as he's playing, but you know that he's going to start seeing some 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 more rest down the stretch. 
Uh, he hasn't seen a ton so far this year. So maybe that represent. I mean, if you're in a head-to-head league, maybe that represents a, a, a an interesting sort of uh, sell him high while he's still playing consistently. Or maybe you just sort of wait things out and see, you know, how many games he actually ends up resting. It's I, He's definitely going to be benched, and it's probably going to come at inopportune times. But, you know, if you're in the head-to-head playoff leagues and the, the Mavericks are in contention for a playoff spot might keep Porzingis on the floor for some of those crucial stretches. So he, he's an interesting guy to keep an eye on as the season goes along and see how that rest schedule comes into play. And uh, let's see, another guy on this Ross on this team that had an interesting night, but not for the right reasons is Delon Wright, who he he's been a very frustrating guy to own in fantasy. I think a lot of people assumed that he was going to jump into a starting role where he'd be playing, close to 30 minutes a night. I sure did. I mean, I, I thought, it, or at least like high 20s with a consistent role, but he's been all over the map, both in minutes played and in and out of the starting lineup. Tonight, he only had four points, two rebounds, two assists, two steals and a block, which he liked the defensive stats, but he also had two turnovers and missed his only three-point attempts. So I, what, what's your take on DeLon, on DeLon Wright? What, what do you think is going to how is the season going to progress for him? I think it's going to be very, very dependent on what his role is. I think if he ends up becoming a fixture in the starting lineup, then there's still going to be a chance for him to put up those numbers similar to what he was doing last year in Memphis. Obviously there's much more, much more mouths to feed here in Dallas and Luka Doncic is clearly the alpha on this team. So he's going to take a second, you know, kind of a backseat to him as far as engaging the offense goes. But I think there's definitely a lot of opportunity for Wright right now. Depending on your league size, I think that he's definitely droppable, unfortunately, um, just because the production really hasn't been there. Uh, the minute totals have been fluctuating. And like you said, we really don't know what we're going to get on a night-in, night-out basis. So at this point, if there's a more viable ad on the wire, it might be worth it to, to try it out. Because um, I don't think Wright is going to be somebody who, if you drop him, people are going to rush to pick him up. I definitely agree with that. Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of people are going to look at his production. He his like he's not even getting four, over ten points a game, and he is floating basically at he was ranked ninety nine in Yahoo leagues heading into this game. It's likely going to bump him outside the top one hundred after a performance like this. Um, yeah, he have he he does have utility with the defensive stats. Those are still consistent because as it always has been the case with Wright, he is able to get those in short minutes. He's very, you know, dependent. He's a very, he's very per minute based in that sense. Like he can pile those up, but you're, you're right. I mean, he's getting to the point where you can think about maybe looking for someone who will give you more consistent production. Uh, so let's move on to the Knicks. What do you see from what, what jumps out to you about what we see from them tonight? Well, on the Knicks side, uh, Marcus Morris continues to put on his clinic uh, for New York. 20 points tonight, 7-19 from the field. He had five threes, five rebounds, no assists, uh, only one turnover, a steal, and a block. Unexpected, but you definitely love that. Um, Julius Randle. On a night-in, night-out basis, it is just so hard to know what you're going to get from that guy. Tonight it was kind of middle of the road. We got 17 points, 818 from the field, one three-pointer. Didn't go to the line, so it didn't hurt you there. Ten rebounds is strong, three assists, but six turnovers. It's really just hurting his, it's definitely hurting his yes. ranking. It's definitely hurting his value if you're in a nine-cat league. So 
yeah, that's always just going to kind of be a boon on him this season. Um, and outside of that, R.J. Barrett continues to get the minutes, but the production just really kind of varies. I think it's going to just continue to be pretty matchup-based for him. You love to see the fact that Fizdale has actually given him the minutes that he needs. Um, 30 minutes tonight, but only eight points on three of ten from the field. No threes, 2-2 two, two from the line, seven rebounds, four turnovers, which is pretty high, a steal, no blocks, and two assists. So overall, outside of that, Depending on if you're an owner of Mitchell Robinson, he returned tonight. So you're you're a fan of that. 22 minutes, you definitely like to see him getting over 20 minutes a game. That's a good thing. Uh, 16 points on 7 of 8 from the field. He's going to be strong from the field because he doesn't take a lot of shots. We know that's a strength of his. Strong from the line tonight, 2 of 2. So you love to see that. Eight rebounds, only one turnover, and only one block, surprisingly. Um, you drafted him as the block specialist, so you're not going to complain about getting a block here, but definitely given his injuries, given his low block total so far, I would definitely say that there is some concern depending on where you drafted him because, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he was going inside of the second or third round in some drafts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he was, uh, I think he had an ADP of about 27, so that puts him as an early third rounder with, you know, some people taking him somewhere in the second round too, just because of that high, that ability to just sort of win you a whole category on his own. So, yeah, I mean, it's been a bit of a slow start, but you are, you should also be, I think we can also be encouraged that, you know, he definitely still looks like he possesses the talent to reach that level. If he, as long as he's just able to get those minutes. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. And, and I like, and uh, yeah, the Barrett thing, you know, the minutes are there and they're going to stay there. And he's just going to keep learning as the year goes on. Uh, you expect rookies to get better in the second half of the season. So he's a guy that I have my eye on as potentially a second half swing uh, player. Because, again, the opportunity is plentiful for him. About as much opportunity as any rookie in the NBA. Yeah, I agree. I think he's going to have a big second half. All right. Yeah. So that does it for that game. Let's move right along now to the Bulls and Bucks. Uh, this one had a couple of foul outs on the Bulls side from Wendell Carter Jr. and Zach Levine. The final score of this one was 124 bucks to 115 Bulls. Uh, David, why don't you take the, the lead on this one? All right. For the Bulls, um, I'm going to start with Zach Levine. Personally, as, a, as an owner, I'd love to see him looking strong tonight. I'd love to see him out there looking agile. He had that ankle injury in the game. He stayed in the game um, the other night when they played, but... Tonight, 32 minutes, 25 points on 8 of 20 from the field. You know he's going to chuck shots. So 8 of 20 from the field isn't too terrible. Four threes, five of five from the line, three rebounds, seven assists, five turnovers. He's going to turn the ball over. Um, and three steals, which is great. His steal totals have been much higher this season, which is definitely an added bonus. Um, as you said, Wendell Carter fouled out, but in his time, 14 points, six rebounds, one assist, no blocks, surprisingly. Um, definitely love to see some blocks from Wendell. Laurie, 31 minutes tonight, only two field goal attempts. Um, 11 points, two three-pointers, five to six from the line, eight rebounds, and three turnovers. Not really sure what is going on with Markinen right now. Had a really, really strong start to the season, but it's just kind of looked disengaged on the offense. I think he's just kind of trying to figure out his rhythm right now, so... Definitely a strong hold. I mean, I definitely wouldn't be dropping him in any kind of format, but you hope that he'll kind of figure it out and get back to form here soon. Um, 
Kobe White looking really, really strong off the bench. I know Saddle's been their starting point guard, but Kobe White continues to really shine tonight. 34 minutes, 26 points, 9 of 23 from the field, six three-pointers, five rebounds, three assists, three steals, and three turnovers. So wondering when the Bulls are going to just give him the keys to the offense, but I think that between him and Zach Levine, there's not enough basketballs to go around, so maybe staggering those two throughout the season is just smarter offensive uh, perspective for them, but I'm not sure. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, uh, the point guard battle in, in, in Chicago has been one of the more interesting, it's been definitely been the most interesting from like, you know, a waiver perspective. Cause you know, the, these guys uh, between, uh, sorry, between Sato, Kobe white and Chris Dunn as well. Like you're not really, it's hard to see one breaking away from the other. You know that the organization wants to roll with White. They want to see him continue to develop. And after two strong games like this, they're going to continue to pump minutes, I imagine. Um, I, you know, I, I'm not totally sold on his long-term value this season, uh, just because of that the battle that's going on there. It, it, I mean, what do you think? Do you think that Chris Dunn is still in the trade block, by the way? Because we got a lot of that uh, in the the offseason and he's got this role. Is it because they're trying to showcase him for potential suitors or like, what's the deal? No, I feel that that's what it has to be, because at this point he's been in the doghouse for so long in Chicago and they've they've really just refused to give him the keys to being the starting point guard and. They've continued to supplement him as a starting point guard with anybody else. So I think at this point, the only reason they're giving him minutes is to showcase him because they are trying to find a, a prospective suitor. I just don't think there are many at this point. Yeah. And, and if Chris Dunn's out of the picture, then the the split between Sato and, and Kobe White actually becomes one where both could hold on to, at the very least, deep league value, respectively, like on a consistent basis. Because if those just to be able to kind of focus in on who like who's going to be handling the ball in the starting unit, who's going to be dealing with the bench unit, having those two run their own respective offenses, maybe play alongside each other too. Cause I'm sure that you know, there's some versatility in that respect. I think it'd behoove both of them, but for the time being, if I'm going to own any of them, I think I'm sticking with Sadoransky just because he's got the starting minutes. He's got the, the, the resume, uh, as being able to sh- being a fantasy relevant guy when he's getting those minutes, um, but he's kind of on he's he's uh, he's not someone I'm very committed to just because of all the jockeying that I'm seeing out of that position. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so for the Bucks in this one, uh, unless you have do you have any other closing thoughts on the Bulls? No, no, absolutely. Let's hit the okay. Bucks. All right, so the Bucks is a—they've been a pretty simple team to dissect this season. Uh, Giannis was just in—he <laughs> was in MVP overdrive in this game. 38 points, 16 rebounds, four assists, three steals, and a block. You don't need any of my analysis to know the uh, what who Giannis is and what he does. Everything was great except for the free throw shooting, 11 of 20 from the line. That's not that high volume. Basically, 50% shooting from the line is going to kill you. But, uh, I mean, you, you know what you got into when you took him. Eric Bledsoe is probably his best game of the year. 31 points with eight assists, four rebounds, and two steals. 
12 of 14 shooting. He missed two shots all game and only one free throw, seven of eight from the line. Uh, that buy low window is, uh, I, I think, I think it's pretty closed. <laughs> I don't, I don't think it's opening anytime soon. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah. Uh, if you hold on to him, good for you. If you were able to buy him low, even better to you. Kudos to that because he is, uh, he's geared up and ready to give you top 45 value on this season. I think at a minimum I've, I'm 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 a big Bledsoe guy. I'm really happy to see this turnaround for him after a shaky start. And again, it's worth remembering that he missed all the preseason with that rib issue. So he spent his first few games sort of doing what everyone else on the roster did, just getting himself up to speed. And patience paid. It's a reminder to everyone the, to not pull the trigger uh, on a guy that you take with that top like a top four, a fourth round pick. Uh, don't pull the trigger if he's struggling through his first few games because you know. He could you you did that with blood, so he's burning you right now. Um, another big point uh, to touch on for the bu- uh, the sorry for the Bucks is that this is the first game without Chris Middleton uh, in, in the lineup. Dante Divincenzo, uh, Dante Divincenzo got the start. He played 24 minutes and only gave you four points, five rebounds, two assists, and a steal. He's not a guy that I'm looking to pick up. Not until I see him start doing things like start stringing together usable fantasy lines. I know he's been a pretty good three point shooter on the year, but that's not going to translate into fantasy value right away. I, I am encouraged that he got some, that he did get a defensive stat and that he did get you some, a smattering of rebounds and assists, but I'm not sure that the offense is there to warrant ownership. Um, David, you, you see anybody uh, else on the bucks that you think could benefit from this Chris Middleton injury? Um, truthfully, maybe, maybe George Hill could carve out some sense of value for himself. Um, I'm assuming that he'll get, he'll get a pretty significant minutes bump in 28 minutes tonight. I'm assuming it's going to be him and Bledsoe primarily run the offense at that point. Um, so maybe you get some, if you're, if you're in desperate need of assists in a deeper league, George Hill might be a good source of streaming going forward. But outside of that, I think it's pretty much what it is, what it is. Yeah, I agree. Um, the Bucks bench has never been the deepest, and I don't think there's much fantasy value to to really uh, hone in on here. So don't don't go wait a few games. Maybe see. Uh, I guess Wes Matthews gets a, definitely should get a bump too, but I think he's already been on people's radars as like a low end sort of three point shooting guy. He'll get some more opportunities to do that, but his stat set's not going to give you much else. So he's not someone that I see as being like a huge, getting a huge boost as a result of this injury. Yep. All right. So that's that on that game, we've got three more to go, but before we do, I just want to remind you guys that uh, the founder of Hoopball, Aaron Bruski has decided to start up his own weekly newsletter. This is a fantastic thing that if you guys are interested in Hoopball content, but you're not sure if you're ready to drop some money on some of the premium stuff. I urge all of you to give this newsletter a look. It's free. All you have to do is sign up. It's on, it, it it's just go to hoop-ball.com/newsletter and sign up in just 10 seconds. It is Aaron Bruski goes through every team in the league while giving his thoughts on different issues that he that he sees come up through the week. Of course, he's going to give you his Kings talk as well. It's a great read. Uh, it's one of my favorite things uh, that I've been reading on my Monday mornings, and y- you all should really take a look into it. So straight into your Aaron Brewski, straight into your inbox. Sign up today.
And from there, we will go ahead and pivot to the third game of the night. And this was a big one. This was the Clippers versus the Pelicans, the return of Paul George. And it was a fantastic return from him at that. He had 33 points in just 24 minutes, which I read is not it is the most points Paul George has ever scored in a season opener. And it is the fewest minutes that he's ever played in a season opener for him. So how about that? That's pretty impressive. He was perfect 10 of 10 from the line, nine rebounds, four assists, no defensive stats, and three three-pointers. Uh, I, I got to say, I cannot wait to watch him and Kawhi share the floor together, which we didn't get in this one. Kawhi was out with load management. But uh, yeah, David, what did, what did, what did you, uh, what were some of your takeaways from this? Uh, wow. I mean, the Clippers... The Clippers are, they're looking really, really scary. And Paul George looked phenomenal tonight. I mean, any any kind of concerns I think owners had about that shoulder injury uh, not looking good on opening night, um, you can kind of put those to bed now because he looked phenomenal. He looked excellent on defense. He looked fluid on offense. I mean, I think they're really, really going to be a problem once they get the whole team on the floor. Yeah, I mean, this, they're, they're the title favorites, I think, a lot of people's minds. And I think it's worth – I don't think we mentioned the score at the top of this. They did lose this game. Uh, <laughs> it was a 132 yes. Pelicans, 127 Clippers before we get too carried away with how impressed <laughs> we were. But, I mean, it. But no, it's worth hammering. I mean, this team, they have the star power. They have the depth. Um, it's really just, you know – I think that in terms of fantasy value, you can really – hold on to your four key guys with Kawhi, Paul George, Montrez, Harrell, and Lou Williams, uh, who both, uh, the latter two of which, by the way, they both started, um, the, the dynamic bench duo, I guess, to sort of give Paul George some, some help in the starting lineup. Pat Beverly was also out in this game. So I think that's also worth pointing out that Lou needed a lot of, uh, point guard duties out of him. But Williams tonight had 31 points and nine assists. That could be a season high. Who knows? Uh, that that's not you're not gonna get that on most nights. Um, where he had uh, two steals as well with a three pointer and two rebounds. Whereas Montrez had 18 points, six assists, seven boards, two steals and two blocks. He's one of my favorite fantasy players out there just because. I mean, he, he's just he it's consistent. The high energy that he gives on a night to night. He's got some sneaky passing ability. Uh, decent, always will give you decent rebounding totals, and he'll score uh, very efficiently. Uh, love Montrez Harrell. I'm so sorry I didn't get him this season, but he is definitely a guy that's going to put up, I think, top set 60 to 70 value all year long. And uh, yeah, um, it's really kind of it on the Clippers. Uh, Rodney, Magruder, Rodney Magruder had 20 points off the bench, but uh, you're not touching that. Uh, he's not a pickup. Um, so we, well, why don't we shift over to the Pelicans, uh, big games out of a lot of guys here, David, what do you, uh, who stands out to you the most from this line? Well, as this, as the Drew holiday owner on this podcast, um, I was a big fan of his line tonight, 36 minutes, 36 points, 13, 24 from the field, five threes, four rebounds, seven assists, six steals, which this is this is why you drafted Drew Holiday. I mean, he leads the league in deflections, and it showed tonight. He was everywhere on defense. He was smothering Paul George. He was getting in passing lanes. 
And he was aggressive on offense, which is really, really what you're waiting for. The field goal percentage tonight, 13 to 24, 54%, much better than what it's been. He's been shooting around 40%. We knew that field goal percentage was going to come up, and once it did, he was going to be right around where you drafted him, which is going to be in the second round. So love what I saw from Drew tonight. Another really, really strong line from Derek Favors. Favors is looking like he may have turned the page on what a lot of people were looking like was going to be a very droppable situation if they hadn't already. I know in several leagues I'm in, he was on the waiver wire, and I made sure to correct that issue this evening. Um, 34 minutes, 20 points, 9 of 13 from the field, 20 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 turnovers, and a block. Massive, massive board totals over the past three, four games. They've just continued. The uptick has been phenomenal. And I think that he's going to continue that. They're really going to need him to continue to do that, especially with Brandon Ingram out of the lineup and the impending return of Zion. But that's not looking like sometime until December. So I think Favors has plenty of room to continue this hot streak. Um, Kendrick Williams got 31 minutes, but didn't do a whole lot with it. Only eight points, three or six from the field, two threes, 10 rebounds you love to see. Three steals is awesome and a block. So he definitely brought the defensive stats. Not a whole lot on the offensive end, but you really picked him up if you did pick him up off the wire for the defensive stats, so you're happy with the production tonight. J.J. Reddick continues to do something with the minutes. He's given 34 minutes. He's had a much bigger minute total since Brandon Ingram's out of the starting lineup. 19 points tonight, three threes, six to seven from the line, three rebounds, three assists, no defensive stats, but you don't expect much of that from Drew, or I'm sorry, from J.J., and then Frank Jackson, surprisingly, off the bench, 22 minutes, 23 points, 9 of 14 from the field, five rebounds, two assists, hit a dagger late in the game to really seal the deal for the Pelicans tonight. What are your thoughts on the Pelicans as far as any pickups or ads that you're seeing from this game? Yeah, I mean, uh, Kendrick Williams, I guess we'll start with him. Uh, until we get a better idea of, I mean, Brandon Ingram's only day to day, so he's not going to be out that much longer. And once he returns, Kendrick Williams is going to go back to the bench, but he did serve as a reminder tonight that he is a fantastic streaming option when he's going to get, when he can get starters burn. Uh, I picked him up on the spot because I thought, I, I figured that those defensive numbers were going to come with it. And sure enough, they did. He's a high energy guy. He just needs the minutes to get there. So I'm not running to my wire to pick him up just because I, I'm not sure what the Brandon Ingram situation is. It, it, the day-to-day label just makes it seem like it's not going to be enough run for Williams to be worth it. Uh, I, I'm, Frank Jackson is a guy who I think needs to establish a little bit more uh, other things to go along with his scoring because he's a fantastic scorer and he can get you those three-pointers on decent efficiency, but you know he's not going to get you any defensive stats the no turnovers is a pretty good positive for him for a guy who, you know, for a, for a guard with such high usage when he's out on the floor, that's pretty impressive. So, if points in uh, tur- low tur- and points and low turnovers are your thing, I think he's very interesting. But I mean, again, the the this Pelicans team is just two players away from really uh, muddling muddying up any of these pick up these guys who you could pick up. So. I'm not running to the wire after any of these performances tonight, but if you did stream any of them, well, uh, hats off to you because you did take advantage of the talent that this team possesses um, once they're able to get that playing time. So that those are the, all, all those Pelicans thoughts that I have there. Um, before we move on, is there anything else you'd like to close with with them? 
No, I, I completely agree with you. As I said, I made sure to add Derek Favors in my league, but that's simply because it's a pretty shallow league, and I thought that that was an issue that probably should have been corrected already. So, oh yeah, out of that, don't see a whole lot of a whole lot of pickups. Definitely, yeah, and you know, very, it was definitely the right move on your part. A lot of you asked me questions over the weekend about Derek Favors being on your wire. I hope that you heeded uh, the advice that I gave that he should be the one that you go with. Uh, because that opportunity is going to be there for him. Even when this team is up to full strength, he's going to be a starter. He's going to be playing in this uh, high-paced offense, and he's showing you right now over this last three-game stretch what he's capable of. So with that, let's move on to our second-to-last game of the night, the Atlanta Hawks visiting the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix wins this one 128-112. Uh, we'll start with the Hawks side of things, which is really just, I mean, they have been a very easy fantasy team to take apart for, I guess, unfor- probably uh, uh, underwhelming to some, hoping that they'd see more some of the other guys do more things. But really, it's just Trey Young who is going to give you the points and the assists and the threes and all of that, uh, all the, the incredible highlights that go with them on a night to night. And then Jabari Parker filling in for John Collins. He had another strong one in this one, 24 points, seven rebounds, three steals, and an assist. Uh, I've been advocating for people to explore, seeing you know, if they could find, convince people to sell high on Jabari, to you know, maybe throw him as a, as a sweetener in a, in a trade package to see if you can get someone who will possess more long-term value because he's not going to be someone who will be I don't think a top 100 fantasy player once John Collins is back in the fold. He just won't have the volume. He won't have the runway to do the things that he's doing now that's making him so effective. And this is not to take away for how good he is because he's looked fantastic all year long. But, I mean, we all have to know that once John Collins is back in the fold here, Jabari Parker is just not going to have enough minutes to provide the stats necessary to be a fantasy guy. Um, Elsewhere, I, I, you know, DeAndre Hunter has been a guy I've been looking at for a while just because I knew that the minutes were going to be really high for him, and they have been. He's just not been able to string enough performance. He's just not been able to be consistent enough to warrant fantasy value, particularly because he has had no defensive stats pretty much over the last couple of weeks, uh, up until tonight where he had a crazy overcorrection, six steals. He had not recorded a single steal in his last five games, so he was definitely overdue for that. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, now he now with that, over his six games, he's averaged one a game. So I, I, I've been very much teetering on whether or not he's a hold. I think that ultimately I don't think that he deserves a spot on your roster for the time being just because – uh, he, the consistency is not there, even though the minutes are, and the efficiency is really killing you if you're starting him right now. Because his shot, he's getting a ton of them because he sort of has to, especially with Kevin Herter out of the lineup. But he's not hitting enough to uh, make to warrant the fantasy value, and he's kind of hurting you in that regard. So the one other guy that's worth touching on here is Alex Lynn, who has now had two really good games in a row since moving to the bench. Uh, the Lloyd Pierce, the head coach of this team, said that he made a mistake starting Alex Lynn to start the year. Says that Lynn is much better coming into the flow of the game as it is already happening. And got to say that so far that looks to be the case. Uh, 
The question is whether or not he's worth a pickup in your league. I'm sure after a performance like this, he's going to be a hot free agent ad. I'm sure he was dropped in a ton of places because of how bad he's been all year. Uh, David, do you, what, what, do you, what, do you, what, you, what do you think here? Do you think Alex Lynn is, is worth a pickup tonight? Um, I think it's definitely going to be dependent on your format. I think in a points league, I would definitely look at him. And I had uh, had him on one of my points league teams. I ended up dropping him, but I've definitely been monitoring the situation there. He's been playing really, really strong off the bench. But I just I just really question his ability to consistently produce minutes that are going to be – I'm sorry, consistently, consistently produce value that's going to be relevant to your roster. Um, again, so I think it's just really going to be dependent on your format. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, head to head, I think is a very tough. It's tough to hold on to him there because I mean he could really follow up this performance with a complete dud. Uh, I'm I'm sitting at arms at arms length distance from this one, but that's only because he's burned me a ton, both as fantasy and as a real life fan. Um, I watch a lot of these games, and it, it I feel like Trey Young would be averaging like two more assists a game if Alex Lynn could uh, convert on some of those dunks that he feeds him. I mean, I, I, he might be leading the league in shots missed within two feet this year, but I will say that he <laughs> he he's had he's had a very the, the bench role does seem to suit him well. Uh, I think that he will be a better player moving forward. And by the way, Damian Jones, who's become the starter uh, as a result of all these moves, he had a really good game in 19 minutes, uh, 14 points, eight boards, two steals, and a block. Um, but I don't think he's worth a pickup either. He he's going to need a little more. He's going to need to show more. He's going to need to show that he can stay on the floor longer. Cause he got into foul trouble in this one. He he's got some upside with the defensive capabilities with the all the athleticism that he has. But he, I'm going to see need to see more before I recommend him. Yeah. Um. So let's pivot over to Phoenix. Uh, David, what, did, what 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 are the big takeaways for you here? All right, for Phoenix tonight it was the resurgence of kelly Ubre. um after their game was that last night when they played the lakers um, i believe so i think so yeah um yeah after he i mean early foul trouble the other night barely got any shots up really really pedestrian kind of a visible line and then tonight just explodes 35 minutes 30 points eight to ten from the uh, from the free throw line 10 of 18 from the field, two threes, seven rebounds, three assists, two steals, only two turnovers. So really strong line from Ubery. I'm, I'm really loving where he's at this year. I'm loving the opportunity for him. I'm loving the minutes. Um, I think he's going to be really strong all season long. Uh, Dario, the homie, came through strong again as well. Um, and looking like a really, really solid ad if he's floating around on your waiver wire, I think that, that might be somebody you take a look at. 29 minutes, 23 points, 9 of 12 from the field. Had three threes, perfect from the line, six rebounds, one assist, and a block. So you definitely love that line from Dario. Aiton's still going to be out for a while, so I think that he has plenty of opportunity and a long leash to go out there and do what he's been doing. Baines, also strong, 18 points tonight. Or I'm sorry, 18 minutes, only three points. So not actually the opposite strong. <laughs> 18 points, only 18 minutes, only three points. So pretty quiet line from Baines tonight. Also only three rebounds. Um, maybe it was the pace of the game. Maybe it was just an off night for him. I'm not really sure what the issue was, but couldn't really get any buckets to fall for him. Devin Booker's continued to be strong, giving you a lot of good points. 27 points tonight, 32 minutes. Seven assists is great. Seven turnovers is not the greatest. Um, but we know Devin Booker is definitely turnover prone. He's still figuring out. He's still a young guard, but... 
He loved the production from him early in the season. I think the addition of Ricky Rubio is really going to help him unlock a new level to his game. And speaking of Ricky Rubio, a very, very quiet night from Rubio um, after he had really been kind of playing out of his mind. Um, only six points tonight, two of nine from the field, five rebounds, eight assists, no defensive stats. You know the assists are always going to be there. That's why you got him, if for nothing else, and he's going to continue to provide that value all season long. Um, but other than that, a pretty quiet line from Ricky tonight. And then Frank Kaminsky, another player looking strong in DeAndre Aiden's absence, 29 minutes off the bench for 19 points, six rebounds, two assists, and a steal. Um, so maybe Kaminsky and Dario, if those are guys floating around on your wire in a league that you take a look at. Um, but outside of that, I don't see a whole lot of respective value on the Suns team. How about you? Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, the only other guys that I guess that were maybe interested in would be McCall Bridges, who had a very quiet output tonight. He only got on the floor 14 minutes, got three points on, on a three pointer, five rebounds, two assists and a steal. If you're picking McCall up, you're looking for the defensive numbers and the three pointers too. He's kind of like a, He's like a less effective PJ Tucker in that sense. But uh, I mean, Monty Williams just hasn't had the same trust in him that uh, coach Igor had in him last season. And it's just, uh, you know, I I don't, I'm not going to recommend him as a pickup, even though I am a big fan of his game. Uh, We're just going to need to see some minutes open up on the wing for him before he becomes fantasy relevant. And like, like with Kelly Oubre playing the way that he is now, it's going to be, it's not quite like how it was last year where the two were splitting that role, the wing minutes together. Um, Ubre is really taking control of that starting job. And as he should, I mean, he, he, he's looked really, really good all season long. So yeah, no other pickups for me on this one. Yeah. Ubre's looking really strong. And I'm wondering if Cam Johnson's going to end up eventually soaking up all those minutes for bridges. Cause he continues to get a lot of minutes off the bench. It's kind of their, their sharp shooter. So, It'll be mm-hmm. a situation to monitor. Yeah, three good shooting games for him in uh, in a row, by the way. Uh, still not seeing the 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 peripheral stats aside from the three point shooting to make him worth a pickup in my mind. Uh, but he is he's getting more playing time, and if those minutes continue to go up uh, at a certain point, if you're interested in a three point specialist, uh, he's probably a guy that I'd take a look at. Absolutely. So with that, we'll move on to our final game of the night, which actually went final about a minute ago. So you, uh, box score breakdown here, going to give you the first impressions on this final game. Denver Nuggets beating the Brooklyn Nets 101-93. to It was a, a very balanced attack out of Denver and a very so-so performance from Brooklyn, from the, the star, I guess, Kyrie in Brooklyn. He, he only went 8 of 20 from the floor, finished with 17 points, with 6 rebounds and 9 assists. He's a first-round guy this year, though. You're not worried about him. You, only, you just hope that he gets on the floor for as many games as possible. And the returns on that front have been great. He, he has been active in pretty much every game. I don't, he might have missed one. I can't remember. If he's missed any games, it's probably just been one. Yeah, that's, so that's a very encouraging start. And I, I think he's committed to playing a lot this year. Uh, elsewhere, you see Jared Allen have a big game, 17 points, 10 rebounds in 30 minutes played. He had one block shot as well. It was, uh, it, he, you know, it, he and DeAndre Jordan is my least favorite timeshare. Uh, 
in the league. They they really take a lot from each other. Really, Jordan taking away from Allen more than anything, because I, I think DeAndre Jordan's years of being a relevant fantasy player are sort of past. He had 11 rebounds in 17 minutes in this one, so you know that's pretty great. Uh, that does not mean that you should go out and pick him up though, because he's just too frustrating and too inconsistent. If he is ever to step out of the way though, missing time with an injury or he decide they decide to rest him, Jared Allen becomes an immediate top 60, top 70 sort of player. Cause I mean, he's clearly, he's improving every year and you just see the crazy upside with him. Anytime you watch the Nets play, uh, we're also, you know, kind of looking at the fallout of the Karis Levert injury, seeing who else is going to soak up some of his role. It's been a couple of games now and Garrett Temple has been the starter, but he's not a guy that has proven that he's worth roster consideration. He's too low usage he he does not give you the defensive numbers that you would hope, and he's just you know he he's a great veteran presence, but that doesn't really apply in fantasy hoops. Uh, David, what else do you see in the Brooklyn Nets side of things? Yeah, for Brooklyn, it's looking like Dinwiddie's definitely going to be soaking up all that usage that Levert just kind of left uh, floating around mm-hmm. in his absence. Uh, Seventeen points tonight, but only six of eighteen from the field. Um, only one three-pointer, only four assists. So Dinwiddie, I mean, we we know that he's definitely more of a a scoring point guard than a passing point guard, especially with Kyrie Irving there. There's not going to be a whole lot of need for him to facilitate the offense. Um, I think they're going to look for him to kind of be that scoring punch in Kyrie's absence and his rest um, outside of guys like Garrett Temple. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't see a whole lot of value here um, for any of the other guys who were kind of on the on the outside looking in before this injury. Yeah, uh, it's it's then it's just tough to find anyone really on the that's coming off of Brooklyn's bench that wasn't already getting a lot of minutes at that wing spot. Uh, and yeah, like you said, Dimwitty is probably going to be the guy who takes the second most amount of shots on this team with Levert gone, and he, he's just the efficiency is going to kill you. Uh, he's not my favorite fantasy player, and he kind of, in a way, he actually kind of makes himself less desirable in my mind with the increased role, just because I just don't think that the other stats are going to sort of make up for the fact that his efficiency is going to stay bad and have a much higher volume. So I'm, I'm avoiding that. Um, why don't we move on to the why don't we finish this off with the Denver Nuggets side of things, which was an incredibly balanced attack, as it usually is. Um, why, why, why don't you take uh, the lead on this? Yeah, so definitely balance across the board for Denver tonight. Uh, we'll start with the big man in the middle, Jokic. Uh, 28 minutes, 18 points, 8 of 14 from the field. Two three-pointers, 10 rebounds, only three assists, and no defensive stats. So the, the questions for Jokic um, as a top 10 player this season are still looming. I think he's still going to end up carving out that season long value of being a top 10 player in nine cat leagues. Um, he is historically a slow starter. So I think that this is just that slow start, just kind of lingering. Uh, he does look kind of lethargic out there, but I think he's, he's, he's going to pick it up. So I'm not too worried about him there. Uh, Paul Millsap kind of in a renaissance right now, 27 minutes, 18 points, nine rebounds, no defensive stats, two assists and two threes. Um, so you definitely like that production on Millsap, especially considering he was a guy I was definitely drafted in the later rounds. Um, you didn't really pick him up expecting a whole lot, so you're loving the early production you're getting out of him. Barton does what he does. 37 minutes, 17 points, six rebounds, four assists, no defensive stats, no turnovers. Um, 
Barton is just kind of a guy who's going to go out there and he's going to do stuff. Some nights it's going to help you. Some nights it's going to hurt you, but he's always going to score points. So you generally count on that. Um, one guy who did not score points tonight was Jamal Murray. Surprisingly, one of 11 from the field. Not sure what was going on with that for only four points. Um, only had one three-pointer on four attempts, five rebounds, four assists, two turnovers and a steal. So nothing to worry about here, I'm sure, with Murray. Just an off-shooting night, but definitely unexpected. Um, and then Gary Harris continues to be a guy who – I can't say that I'm not a fan of, but I just can't advocate as a relevant fantasy player just because he he just doesn't really do a whole lot. Um, Ten points, four seven from the line, had seven rebounds tonight, so you love the rebounds, two assists, two steals, which is great, and a block. You love him from the perspective of being a relative defensive stats player, but the defensive stat production is nowhere near consistent, and the offensive production has been incredibly inconsistent given his injury history. So, again, can't really advocate too heavily for him. And outside of those guys, there wasn't a whole lot um, on Denver's team worth talking about. Uh, Monty Morris, if there ever is a significant injury, I think will really step up and be a, be a great guy. So maybe if you're in a league where you feel the need for a handcuff or a Jamal Murray, um, if he continues this this kind of like cold streak um, after this game, maybe. But again, I don't really see a whole lot of value. But Morris tonight, ten points, uh, seven assists, three rebounds, no turnovers and steal. So definitely a strong backup guard and a good source of assists if you're hunting for those um, in a deeper league. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with all that. And to the Morris point, um, I think that your guys like Jerry and Grant and uh, your uh, Mason Plumleys. Same deal. There ever is starters minutes to be had. Those are all must-add guys. I I liked Jerry. I like the idea of Jerry Grant being a handcuff to Paul Millsap once the year started. But like you mentioned at the top with this, Paul Millsap has just pl- outplayed him. I mean, he and he's just looked really good all year long to start this season. And it's just kind of made Jerry and Grant a guy that is just difficult to own. Even though he had a decent game tonight with the 12.6 boards, two blocks, and two threes, that's serviceable. But you can't count on it on a given on a night tonight. So yeah, same old story with this Nuggets team. The starters are going to do their thing. The the bench is going to look really good, but not good enough to own. Just keep your eyes out. If there's ever minutes to open up, there's going to be value on this team. And uh, yeah, is that you have any more thoughts before we end up here? No, no, I agree. All right, and so that's your six game slate on uh, this Thursday night. Um, David, is there uh, any place that the listeners could uh, give you, uh, could look for your work, follow you, anything? Uh, yeah, hit me up on Twitter um, at DFB underscore three. Any kind of questions, comments, hit me up. Uh, love them. Yeah, and you can you can follow me at Alan Srochi. That's at A-L-A-N-S-R-O-C-H-I. Give me a follow. Keep the conversation going. I'd love to answer any of your questions. We'd love feedback here. Uh, things that we could do better. Things we could, you know, anything. Just hit us up. We'd love to talk to you guys. And I'll do it. Hope you guys have a wonderful Friday. A wonderful weekend that follows. And we will catch you next week. See you guys. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.